We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I pray, God, for this church and its people as we go into a new year. God, that we will approach your church, the Lord's day, with humble reverence. Seeing the value of, of being here, being ready to come before your throne to bring worship to you. God, we know that worship is not about us, not getting our emotional fix, but God, what we bring to you and where we place you in this service. And help us to focus on that as we come to your house. Thank you for your word and its impact in our lives. And today, may you use it to transform lives, God, that would bring honor to your name through a changed life. Fill me and empower me with the Holy Spirit as we look into your text. Use me and speak through me, God. I ask these things in the wonderful grace and mercy of Jesus. Well, last week we looked at a king by the name of King Uzziah. And we saw that God made him a strong man used for wonderful things to bring about great things for the king, kingdom of Judah. But if you remember, it said this, He was marvelously helped until he became strong. He became strong and proud and God put him in his place. He didn't take the rebuke well, obviously, from the priest, but instead he got angry. God made him a leper for the remaining of his life. He lost the kingdom. He was separated from the house of Israel. And so we learned about the importance of not becoming prideful. Living the I can't do anything wrong attitude in life. But the encouragement is that when we do, that we simply be willing to admit it before God and repent before the Lord so that our life in Christ will have joy. This week we're going to step into a different aspect. We're going to look at Jonah, a prophet of God that was commissioned or called to do something for God. There's, there's not much in the Bible about this man Jonah. But boy, we can sure learn a lot from the four chapters that is listed in Jonah. The book can really be divided into two sections. It can be divided into Jonah flees his mission, verses 1 to chapter 2, verse 10. And then Jonah fulfills his mission, chapter 3 to chapter 4. Without overwhelming you with four chapters of Scripture this morning, I decided to take just a few verses and really look at these in depth and try to really look at what God is communicating through this book. As we look at Jonah, we see another breakdown of events that take place within this book that are in a bit more depth. And, I, and as I looked at this, this is my outline of the book. 
In chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God. In chapter 1, verse 4 to verse 17, we see Jonah on the sea fighting God. And then in chapter 2 to chapter uh, verse 1 to verse 10, we see Jonah under the sea pleading with God. And then in the last two chapters, 3 and 4, we see Jonah back on the land obeying God. Now, you'll see I have those highlighted because as I studied this book and as I looked at it, I thought it was pretty neat how we see Jonah on dry land disobeying God, which then revolts in fighting against God. And then we see his pleading with God and then how he begins to obey God. And so there seems to be some type of connection with disobedience and fighting and pleading and obeying. And But today I don't want to look at all of those. I simply want to look at number one, the first division. Jonah on dry land disobeying God. This book is really tied together from beginning to end. As I listened to it over and over and over and over and over, it began to really connect everything from beginning to end in this book. And so it's really hard to speak about the first portion of this book without somehow attaching it to the latter part. But I want to really try and pull everything out of the text that is here without just blowing right through the book and missing all of the wonderful golden nuggets of Scripture that's listed in the book of Jonah. So if you will this morning, turn with me to Jonah. The book of Jonah chapter 1. We're going to look at the first three verses. Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. It says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for the wickedness has come before me. But Jonah arose up to flee to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarsus and paid the fare and went down, into the, uh, went down into go with them to Tarsus from the presence of the Lord. Now, on there, it's not hot like, it, like I have it in my Bible, and we'll look at it in a minute, but I, I wanted to express the words down and down in the presence. And we'll look at that in a minute. In my notes, they're highlighted in that passage. There are three things that I want us to get from this text today. Three things that I think will help us in our walk with Christ, will help us in our sanctification, becoming more into the image of Christ. Three things. Number one, we must prepare to receive God's Word. We must prepare to listen to God's Word. And thirdly, we must prepare to obey God's Word. First of all, we don't know much about Jonah. He's not spoken of much. But here, his name is mentioned, Jonah, in 2 Kings chapter 14. We hear Christ the Savior uh, speak of Him a few different times. In the book of Matthew chapter 12 and then in Luke 11, Jesus was asked in those passages to give them a sign. Give us a sign, they asked. And He said this, that He would be there three days, three nights in the earth. And He compared that to Jonah as, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale. 
And so there's compare and contrast of Jesus' ministry and the ministry of Jonah. But hopefully that when we finish this book, we will be to have a better understanding of this man, Jonah, and how God uses him to bring about his ultimate plan to save the lives of people. And that brings us to our first point. Number one, we must prepare to receive God's Word. Let us look at Jonah 1.1. The Word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai and saying, Well, what does that mean? The Word of the Lord came to Jonah. As we look here in this first part of Scripture, I want us to see and understand how it was that God spoke to this prophet. Did God speak to the prophet in the same way that He speaks to us? Or does it seem different to you? It says the Word came to Him. Throughout the Bible we hear the importance of the words of God. The words that are written within the pages of the Bible are important. We read passages all over that remind us of just what the Bible is. When we look at passages like 2 Timothy 3.16, it says all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training, for correction. So for what? So that the man of God may be adequate. Adequate for what? Every good work. God's communicated word to us is how He speaks to us. And He gives that so that we might be adequately equipped for the good works that He has prepared for us. And so yes, maybe God did speak differently to those in the Old Testament than He speaks to us today. But the idea that I want you to see is that God still speaks to us. He still communicates with us. And we need to be ready to receive that Word. We need to be ready, prepared. The expression, the Word of the Lord came to, doesn't really start any other books of the Bible. No other book of the Bible starts that way. We see it happen in, in sections of larger books... For example, we see in 1 Samuel 15.10, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying... It wasn't in the beginning of the chapter. It was later in the book. 1 Kings 6.11 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying... Then we see the same thing here in Jeremiah in his opening chapter. But it's not the first verse, it's the fourth verse. And it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me saying. The point I'm trying to make, that this was God's way of communicating to them. The word of the Lord came to them. This is God's way of communicating with us. His written revelation. God's word we still have. It comes in a different fashion. It comes through His revelation, His Bible. That's why we teach in our membership class plenary inspiration. It's full. It's God-breathed. It's complete. We don't need any help 
outside of what the Bible says because it's complete. We don't need the help of the Apocrypha. We don't need the help of Joseph Smith, the Book of Mormon. We don't need the, the, the Watchtower Bible Society as they created their own scriptures and added to it. God's Word is sufficient. And He has communicated to them and now He communicates to us. And the question is, are we prepared to receive His Word? Jonah was... Jeremiah was, Solomon was, and others were. The question is, are we? Are we really ready to receive God's Word? If God speaks through His divine Word, the Bible, then that means we must read the Bible. We must crack the pages of His words so that we can communicate with the God of the universe. He has something to tell us. And He has something to teach us. And Jonah was the perfect picture of one ready to receive the Word. Does that mean he handled it well? No. But he was ready to receive it. Jesus understood this. He understood the power of the Word of God. When he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The Bible is more valuable than food. You say, Stuart, that's foolish. If I don't eat, I die. Well, I tell you, without food you die physically, but without the word of God you die spiritually. It's more valuable than food. What should it profit a man if he gained the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? The Word of God is important and we need to make sure that we are prepared to receive it. That means reading it, memorizing it, meditating on it, looking at it, day and night, when you lay down, when you get up. It says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in the season and his leaves do not wither. And in all that he does, he what? He prospers. Why? Because he meditates on God's Word and this is the way he communicates to us. God has directed us to meditate. And God directed me and my wife to village missions through this book. Through His Word. I had plans and let me tell you, Celie Lake wasn't in them. I mean, 40 hours the opposite direction. That wasn't in my plans, but through the preaching of God's Word and through meditation and through memorization and through the reading of it, God began to prepare us to receive His Word and then God spoke and we heard. But He had... We had to be prepared to receive it. How about you? How about you this morning? Are you making yourself available to God? On a daily basis, listen to reality, folks. This book, if it's true, it ought to be the most important thing in our life. And as we spoke yesterday, I asked the question. Let's put a scale up there. 
and begin to balance the activity of our lives, what outweighs what? Is it the activities of our life that fall and the, the Scriptures go up? Or is there a balance? Are we spending time with our family one-on-one -on -one in the home? Bringing our children up in the way of the Lord? Are we kissing them and saying, Good night, see you tomorrow. And sending them on their way. And then sending them out the door and saying, Good luck, son, stay strong. And then they have to go into a world of pagan people with the expectations that they're going to succeed and some flower's going to blossom. Some spiritual blossom's going to happen. God speaks to us through His Word. He instructs us through His Word. So are you making yourself available to God so that you can receive His words and His direction? It's important that we prepare ourselves for God's Word but it's also important that we prepare to listen to God's Word. We prepare to listen to God's Word. Point number two, we must prepare to listen to God's Word. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it. For the wickedness, for their wickedness has come before me. Jonah listens to what God has to say. He hears Him clearly. He was ready to receive the Word. Prepared to listen and now God is speaking to him and he says, Arise and go. And when we look at that, we say, yes, he, he told him to go do something. But arise is an imperative. It's the verb form that expresses a command. Arise and go. Now. Immediately. Quickly. You could say, go at once to the great city of Nineveh. God is speaking to Jonah loud and clear and He is expecting him to do as He commands. He said, go to Nineveh. And so I asked the question, what in the world is Nineveh? We don't have any places around here called Nineveh. Now obviously, I do know what Nineveh is. I traveled to Israel last summer. I didn't go to Nineveh. But it became apparent of the geography of that area. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. First mentioned in Genesis 10-11 and is known to be founded by a man by the name of Nimrod. Now, I've never heard of anybody called a Nimrod but me when I was a kid doing something wrong. And Dad said, hey you Nimrod, stop it. But anyways, this man was known to be the founder. And it was located on the Tigris River. You may, Stuart, this is not a geography class. Well, geography is a part of hermeneutics. And good geography lets us know exactly what's happening in the passage. But what I find interesting about Nineveh as I looked at it is that it's filled with Gentile pagans. It's filled with Gentile pagans. People that are destructed destructive. And because of their evil, because the people had become so wicked in Nineveh, God issues through Jonah a localized judgment upon them and their people. He said, Jonah, I want you to go and preach against Nineveh. They were well known in the ancient world for their brutality, brutality and cruelty. 
They had become accustomed to tearing the lips off of people and cutting their hands off. And Tiglath-Pileser fillets victims alive and piles up skulls of human bodies. Jonah's lack of enthusiasm to travel to Nineveh, as God has instructed him, may very well be the reason is because of their violence they were indulging in. How about us? Are we ready for what God might call us to? Are we ready? Jonah wasn't feeling the love. He really didn't want to work with these people. He didn't want to have anything to do with these people. While the text doesn't really tell us just why he didn't want to go, there sure seems to be proof of his actions. You know, God's words or instructions can really be hard for us to handle sometimes. It may be tough to swallow. It might even be hard to accept. But when God speaks, which He has to us through His Word, He expects us to listen to what He has to say. God didn't give us His Word to try and do things our own way and our own abilities, but to follow the directions He gives, even when it's truly hard to accept. There's a safety net that this Word offers to us. If it's truly Christ is the Lord of our lives, this Word is in what we stand on as individuals, as a church, as the universal body of Christ. It is which gives us our safety net. It's good for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. What things do you have to deal with? That God makes clear to you in the directions of His Word. What is it that we have to deal with, I have to deal with, you have to deal with, that when we read His Word we see this is something He's commanded us to do, yet I don't want to do it. Anybody ever come across that? I don't know about you, but amen, I have. Listen, I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I can teach what God's Word reveals to me. And I can teach that to you through His Word, but I can't do it for you. I can only bring to light the Scripture that has been illuminated to me and what the text seems to be teaching through the process of study. And it's my hope that through the preaching of God's Word, it begins to impact our lives and illuminates the truth to you. That's my hope. Is that when we preach the Word in this church, that God illuminates the truth to you. And we will be patient for God to do that. I like the thought here in the last part of this verse. It says, For their wickedness had come up before me. Uh, You know, one of the steps of hermeneutics is observation. Number one is, wickedness has come up. It pre-assumes God is up and we're down. 
There's a lot of truth in small verses of Scripture. God sees what's happening from heaven. He knows exactly what's going on in Nineveh and in America and in your home and in your life as individuals. The evil that these people were doing didn't slip past the God of the universe. A God that knows all things and is everywhere at once. He's involved in the daily affairs of our lives. We can't get away from them. Even when we sin. God help us to believe that you are as real as our parents. Help us to believe that you are as real as my mother and father. Because some of the things you do and the things that I do, if my mama or daddy walked in, I'd stop. But yet God's standing there the whole time. Listen, when you are involved in adultery, God is there. He's not blind. He sees it. When you're involved in lust, God is right there. He knows the thoughts on your mind. He says in Matthew 5, if you've even looked at a woman with lust, you've committed it in your heart. He knows what we go through in our brains. That's why in Romans tells it says, change the way we think. Change the way we think. Why? Because God knows what's going on inside of our minds. When we are involved in greed, God knows it. When we're involved in you fill in the blank, God knows it. When we start listening to God, the God of the universe, He speaks to us. He convicts our hearts. And you can't deny that He is speaking to you. As a believer and follower of Christ, there is a conviction that's laid in the hearts of men that there is no denying the fact that God has spoken to you. You see, when you memorize Scripture, God can bring it up. He can, he can teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that He said to you. That's why it's important. Because we're preparing ourselves to receive the Word, we're preparing ourselves to listen to the Word, memorize the Word so that God can speak to us. We must be prepared to receive it. His Word. We must be prepared to listen to God's Word. And listen up here. Buckle your bootstraps because this is where the reality sets in. This is where it gets hard. We must prepare to obey God's Word. Jonah 1.3 reads this, But Jonah rose up to flee from Tarshish, from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa and found a ship which was going to Tarshish and paid the fare and went down into, the, uh, down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But I'm going to underline this. You need to underline this in your Bible. I want you to underline presence. I want you to underline down. I want you to underline the other word down. And I want you to underline the presence. That's a chiastic structure. What in the world is chiastic structure? It's a, it's a type of poetry and I don't like poetry. But, but it makes a good point here. When we look at this passage, we see he went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And so he went down to Joppa. And then he went down into the boat to go with them to what? Free from the, the presence. It's, it's, 
A-B-B-A. Presence. Down, down, presence. And right in the middle of that, there's a truth. I may be getting ahead of myself. I don't know where I'm at my notes. But I want you to understand this. The problem was Tarsus. It's right there in the middle. It, it narrows it down to the perfect point that says Tarsus is the problem. He found a ship which was going to Tarsus. It's right in between the two downs and the two presences. What's the problem? Tarsus. God said something. And He wanted Jonah to get it. But Jonah didn't want nothing to do with it. What has God led you to do in your life? You've heard them. You've had the instructions. But. You see this, this phrase starts right here with the letter but. The word but. Jonah missed it. God said, don't. Don't go over there to that man's house. Don't go, don't go over to that woman's place. Guys, don't step into that lady's house when her husband's not home. Don't do this and don't do that. Don't you be texting her. <laughs> but, you throw that in there, it throws everything in a mess. You see, but pre-assumes that he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Such a small word, but yet a lot of meaning to the word but. Jonah gets up, just like he was told. But, Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He did the opposite. Jonah is headed to Joppa. First, God said, go to Nineveh. But instead, he goes down to Joppa. And he goes down into the boat. And later in the text, you'll see he goes down into the ocean. He keeps getting down and down and down and further and further. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. Joppa ain't nowhere close to Nineveh, as we say in the South. Ain't is a word. <laughs> He can't even act like he might be trying to go to Nineveh. You see, let me turn this way because I'm... You got the Mediterranean Sea, let's say, is this. And then this right here is Israel. The Dead Sea, the Sea of Galilee. And then way over here up is the Tigris River. It runs just like this. And Nineveh's here. And let me show you, Joppa is over here. Opposite direction. The problem is, is that's where the port was. He was fitting to go to boat and go somewhere that way. What we see here is a runaway Christian. He can't handle what God has told him. Running from what God has instructed him to do. I don't think that God put this passage on my heart this week for no reason at all. As I began to study and seek, God began to reveal these things to me. And He showed me this thing and He comforted my spirit. He comforted my soul to stand on what God says in His Word. 
no matter the cost. It's okay if everyone doesn't agree with you, Christian, but you stand on what God says because it's the best. And God knows the best. That's why He's given us His Word. That's why He's given us this Word. Don't be a runaway Christian. Stand firm for the things of God. Jonah, the reality is, is he had a heart issue. He didn't want these people to be forgiven. We'll look at that later in the book. So he runs. He wanted them to get what they deserved. And he wasn't having no part in these people's forgiveness. Something spoke to me as I read this. Isn't there some kind of joy in seeing a pagan, an unbeliever, in his folly, get what they deserve? Don't we get some kind of satisfaction from that? You know, me and my wife, we, we watch Chopped. You ever seen Chopped? We're not big TV people, but we like Chopped. I like eating. They cook good food. But what happened was we were watching this show, Chopped. And this man came on there and he said, You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to my deceased father and he's going to get me through this. I'm going to win. My, my father's going to make sure I win. And something inside of me says, Buddy, I hope you get last place. I want you to get last place. Because what you're teaching is heresy. Something inside of me. But ultimately, God had other plans because He won. I was like, Lord, why would you let somebody win in that circumstance? This is the same thing Jonah was doing. You want me to go preach to the Nineveh? To Nineveh? Those, those adulterous Gentiles? You see, he tells us in like verse 10 or something that he's a Hebrew. You want me to go and preach to the Gentile pagans? The Assyrians? These brutal people? Nah. Jonah wants nothing to do with it, so he flees from the presence of the Lord. Or shall I say, he tries. You can't get away from God, Jonah. That's what I want to say when I read it. What are you running from, dude? God is omniscient, omnipresent. He's everywhere. You can't hide from Him. He don't get this. You know why? Because He don't have this. We've got this. So think about it. He had an excuse for Runman, maybe. Maybe he thought he could get away from the presence of God. But you and I as Christians with the book of law, the Holy Scriptures, we know we can't run from the presence of God. Do we have any Jonas here today? Running. Trying the hardest. Listen. I have to say this, and I mean it in love, but every Sunday, we worship. 
And it's time to get up here and preach. And what happens? Pew! Right out of the door. It just drives me crazy that we as Christians would run from the presence of God. This is where it happens. Through the teaching and preaching of His Word. What are we running for? Let's man up and woman up and take it and say, I don't like it, but I'm going to do it. People run to flee the conviction of God's Word. The direction of His Word. Some even try to flee the correction of God's Word. You can run. I can run. They can run. But we can't hide. He is everywhere at all times. Where there's two or more gathered, He's there. Where there's three or more gathered, He's there. Whether there's twelve, He's omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times, even if it's just me. And we can't get away from Him. As much as we try in our heart to hide from the presence of God, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And so when Christ says, this is not right, you can't run from it. And when we're listening, God gives us great nuggets through His Word. One day, you will have to stop running. You're going to get tired. And you're going to wear down. And you will have no choice but to stop to take a breather. Or you'll keep running right into God. And the next day, the next step, the next leap you take will be into eternity, standing before the Lord. Then it will be too late. Obey what He's commanded in His Word. Make sure you are prepared to obey. Are we reading and allowing God's Word to teach us? We must prepare to receive God's Word. As of application, I want to ask you, are you ready to receive it? Are we reading it? Are we allowing God's Word to run through our hearts and our minds? Do that. Be ready to receive it by staying in His Word. We need to be prepared to listen to God's Word. We must not confuse with what God, has, what God says. We must be very positive in what God says. So we must be willing to stand on God's Word. This is what it says... I'm listening, God. And when God speaks through His Word, we need to do it. We need to say, I will follow You, Lord, whatever You ask me to do, whenever You ask me to do it, and wherever You call me to. That was my wife and I's prayer. When, whatever, and wherever.
Are you prepared to listen? And thirdly, we must prepare to obey God's Word. When the Lord has given us His Word, His truth, and every Christian that has ever walked the face of this earth, that is truly a follower of Christ, believes that this book is the inspired Word of God, it's how He speaks to us, and so therefore God has communicated... And so when the Lord has given us His Word, the words that have been written in this book, then let us obey whatever it says. Let us obey whatever it says, whatever the cost. There's nothing in this world worth turning away from the Word of God. Nothing. It doesn't matter if there's one person sitting in this building listening. If we're standing on the Word of God, that's what matters. Because while the world may be falling around us, I want to be known for a church and a man of God that says I'm willing to stand on the Word, word of God whatever the cost. To the runaway, turn back. To those who are running who never even heard, listen. Stop. You can't work your way into the kingdom of God, people. Please understand that. God's Word has communicated in Ephesians 2, 8-10, through 10, for it is by grace we have been saved through faith. And this not of ourselves, let us no man boast, but it's a gift of God. It's a gift. We can't sprint our way to God. You can't do it alone. And He wants you to come and obey His Word. And this morning, if you've never come to a personal relationship with Christ, He says this, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you stop running this morning? Stop. Stand still. Catch a breather. And say, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to do good. To fulfill my joy in the Lord. Or to get to wherever I'm trying to go. To get to whatever created place in your mind you've created. And God says, All those who are weary, come to Me. And I will give you rest. It's hard running. Trying to earn your way to the Lord. He says, Put your faith in Christ in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That that was sufficient enough to get you to the kingdom of God. Put your faith in that. Stop running. Believe and be saved. Let us pray.